0: of Life Between the Notes, which is sponsored by the York Youth Symphony Orchestra. The YYSO creates a unique opportunity for elite youth musicians to learn challenging repertoire with peers, perform in a variety of venues and expand their perspective of what it means to be a musician. The YYSO is committed to being the finest youth orchestra organization in the region, both on the stage and off the stage and in the community. We are enjoying our 2022-23 season under the direction of Maestro Brian Buderbaugh and invite all listeners to our winter concert at the Appell Center on Sunday, March 12th at 3 p.m. Be a part of the first collaboration in eight years between longtime friends, York Youth Symphony Orchestra and York County Senior Honors Choir. These organizations bring the best high school musicians from throughout the region to perform unsurpassable repertoire. Another Day, Another Destiny features Dan Forrest's Requiem for the Living, a 20th century sound in an ages old form. Thematic material ranges from the cathedral to the movie screen in this at times haunting, at times aggressive and at times peaceful meditation on life. This large work is bookended by Verdi's overture to La Forza del Destino and One Day More from Les Miserables, an epic conclusion to this can't miss concert. Come enjoy over 100 of the area's finest high school musicians sharing the stage together for one afternoon only. And now here is Todd's life between the notes. Everyone to life between the notes, where we are going beyond the bio and bringing you interviews of your favorite South Central Pennsylvania musicians. I'm Kirsten Myers, a local oboist living in the Lancaster area, and with me again and as always is Morgan Davis, a local flutist in the Lancaster area. So, hello, Morgan. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Today's Friday. Are you excited?
1: I am. I'm so glad. (laughs) <laughs> every day this week felt like Thursday from Monday on <laughs> so oh
0: yeah that's I'm ready. That
1: good. <laughs> yeah, it was a long week
0: <laughs> and are there cats with you
1: today no I think like oh. the times that we talk they're like already settled into like post-breakfast nap so oh, okay. we'll see if I get one in, in the midst here okay
0: well that that's good <laughs> I know I, I have visa roaming around here she was just here earlier, and yeah. she was the one like we um, just recently recorded with Brian Norcross, and uh, she was like meowing through the <laughs> entire introduction. <laughs> I think. So.
1: Yeah, anyway. it just keeps it interesting.
0: Yes, Especially well, you guys. know that's that's part of the charm, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anywho, um, so today we are so excited to have local. Uh, well, is it trumpeter or yeah. trumpetist
2: or trumpeter
0: trumpet
2: uh, trumpeter or trumpet player, I believe.
1: Mm. Okay. All right. So it's <laughs> like I have this the flutist with... or flautist debate. <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay. So trumpeter. Okay. Well, there we go. And so, and he is our first trumpet player. So it's Todd Fulgenitti joining us for our 16th episode. Um, so. And to me, um, Todd is in the middle of such an interesting career. Um, It has run the gamut from public school teaching to freelance uh, performer to writer. And here is a little bit more about him before we actually talk to him. He is waiting so patiently. Thank you, Todd. But musically, Todd has earned praise for his work in a wide variety of styles, including jazz, rock, funk, classical theater, and many others. In addition to performing with the groups featured at toddfulgenity.com, Todd is a freelance artist performing with dozens of groups and as a soloist. Career highlights include single night engagements with Ray Charles, Frankie Valley, Maceo Parker, and as a recording artist, Todd has contributed to over a dozen projects with both his own bands and as a guest artist. Across the airwaves and on stages, Todd's arrangements and compositions continue to be performed around the country and internationally by both professional and student groups. Todd spent 25 years teaching elementary general music, classroom music, and chorus. He resides in Lidditz, Pennsylvania with his wife, and outside of music, Todd writes a blog at fiveoclockshadow.life. He contributes articles to Wise and Shine magazine and is a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. So with that, Todd, we are so happy to have you join us today. Um, Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, So before we get into the music stuff, I hate to actually talk about sports, but um, so you're a a big Eagles fan and we are recording this just a few days before the Super Bowl. Yep. (laughs) So you must be really, really excited about your weekend.
2: Yeah, I feel like ever since the playoffs began, everything that happens in between football games is just killing time until the next game starts. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing really that important. Just when's the next one?
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, well, that's great. So, well, do you have any predictions that you want to make? I mean, this episode is going to air after... um, the results but
2: well um i think the eagles win in a close game by about three or four points and both teams score more than 30 okay but, yeah it should be exciting to watch i think there's going to be like touchdowns yeah. everywhere points yeah. all over the place okay but the eagles should win because overall they're just better they have mm-hmm. a more solid team but you mm-hmm. know when you go against patrick mahomes and andy reed weird stuff happens so yeah, yeah. it should be right. a
1: while
0: and Andy Reid is back yeah so yeah. my my husband is a, is a huge like Philly sports fan as mm-hmm. well so um so you know I I watched a little bit
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to right you can't escape it
0: yes exactly I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, sure I, I go practice during yeah. football <laughs> Not really, no. (laughs) So, awesome. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, So, the first thing I wanted to ask you uh, was, you live um, in Lancaster County currently. um, Have you always lived here?
2: Yeah. Um, I was born here, and I grew up in Lancaster. And I lived in Lancaster until uh, 2001, and, um, and then we moved to Lidditz. So okay. I've only ever lived in Lancaster and Lidditz. Okay
0: all right yeah. and so what uh, school district did you um, go to? Uh, Lancaster? Oh you were in Lancaster like okay. yeah
2: yep. okay I went to Hamilton elementary school, okay.
0: which is super
2: small um, and then uh, Wheatland and then McCaskey.
0: Okay all right great. Um, so when did you start playing trumpet?
2: I started in fourth grade you know like regular band kid Mm
0: -hmm. yeah had you done anything earlier than that like had you done like any piano or no no no
2: No, um, yeah I'm not even sure why I knew I wanted to play the trumpet and I'm not sure why um like Hamilton it was a really small school so we only had one class of each grade like nowadays, a lot of times you have like four fourth grades in a school. We had one. So there was like, you know, 15, 20 kids. Um, so there was nobody in band. And uh, the band directors trying to sell everyone on the instruments that they thought they needed to make the band at least like sound like anything uh, mm-hmm. with that few number of kids. And um, they wanted me to play trombone. But I don't know. I just wasn't into it. I don't know. I I didn't have any like trumpet songs in mind or didn't really know any trumpet things. I just, something told me I, that that's the instrument I should play and, and it wasn't trombone. So, you know, so I just that's, started, and, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because sometimes we're just drawn to a yeah. certain instrument and it is it is inexplicable. Um, yeah,
2: um, my daughter for a while played violin and, and she got hooked on that because of, um, you know, the Toy Story movies. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 2 I think has this well that's when they go into Woody's show and the mm-hmm. the band for his show is actually this great cowboy band called Riders in the Sky and um and they were playing on that and she got into the violin sound so that's mm-hmm. at least but I don't have any stories like that I don't mm-hmm. I don't know where right. trumpet came from that was just that was I don't know that's where yeah I to do it.
0: maybe
1: you just for thought it reason. looked cool maybe <laughs> well now
2: people that i was smart enough to know that trumpets are cheap to buy relatively Mm. and they're easy to carry around so i don't have to set up gear and i don't have to spend like tens of thousands of dollars on a new instrument
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i just bought a new flute so mine's easy to carry but it's not cheap cheap. (laughs) Uh, but i had that experience when i picked the flute because i was a little younger than beginning band age i had been playing the piano And it was pre when we started an instrument at school it was even before we did like flutophone or you know whatever Mm -hmm. we did flutophone not recorder but um i just wanted to play the flute i have no idea why like if Mm -hmm. i think i can't doesn't matter you know i've talked to my parents about it i have no clue why that was the instrument i had to play Mm -hmm. cool
0: yeah yeah and it was and my my son too like he was just drawn to the french horn like that's what he he wanted to do that and then he um he was somebody else was trying to convince him that he should play the trumpet and he was like no (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that and so and he's still playing horn in college so yeah yeah so so then were your parents musical like did um
2: not really um I remember dad playing like drums on the dashboard in the car and that's yeah. that's it I mean right you know yeah yeah and you know mom liked to sing I think mom was was in the uh her high school musical
1: mm-hmm. but you know right. that's it yeah nothing
2: big right yeah they, I mean they they were music fans they liked a lot of different stuff and uh mm-hmm. so did my extended family but I don't, I'm, I'm not aware of anyone really playing anything
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: any seriously
1: mm-hmm
0: so um so then when you were like in high school like were you um did, were you involved in any festivals like were you like competitive with um
2: it well <laughs> um no well I went to I went to county band and I don't know how they do it at the time or how they do it now but at the time you would go out for district band and that's where like the good players the, the good players got in districts mm-hmm. and then if you were like kind of good but not good enough for districts or didn't make it then Ah, uh, county band was kind of like I always felt like it was the the JV team of districts. Now, I know that's different for for choir. My daughter went all through the choir stuff, and that's whole different. They don't do it that way. But um, I always felt like county band was for the leftover kids, and uh, I I went to that two years, so mm-hmm. I never made districts. And uh, <laughs> um, the my senior year, I thought I had a good chance. And I had this. I know trumpet players might be able to relate to this. It's high school, right? So you have pimple problems sometimes. And I had one like right on my lip, oh. right the mouthpiece, like the mouthpiece rested there. So I couldn't, like, I just couldn't get my mouthpiece to to feel right. And we were we had to play this this quiet section. And I thought I would try to be real impressive and really, you know, overplay the dynamics. But when I when I tried to get that quiet because I didn't have my position right there because of that pimple. It just went and no sound came out. So I was like, well, I guess that's it for me. (laughs) And it was, so I didn't make it. I missed by like half a point. I know even I would have made it for sure. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't, I never got to any of that stuff, which, uh, you know, it was kind of a bummer (laughs) in college. I did, but, uh, I don't know, I guess I was like a, a late bloomer.
1: Hmm.
0: well yeah i mean i completely like get that like i and i wasn't entirely like competitive competitive with it myself and mm-hmm. like i made districts one time and it was when i was in 10th grade when i was really not even interested in being involved. <laughs> and i i didn't want to go i was like oh <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you, you end up even, going
0: uh, I did in 10th in, in grade and then but then after that like it never worked out like it just again like you know you lose by like a tenth of a point mm-hmm. or whatever you know yeah and, you know, when I cared then mm-hmm. it didn't go well <laughs> yeah. but yeah too much pressure so, yeah mm-hmm. well and I think too it's like you know you don't necessarily have to be you know at that kind of level to even like make a career out of music you know and it's not like the be-all end-all you know as sometimes I think like high school students tend to think
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I guess I mostly one of the reasons I wanted to go out for districts I don't even know if it was that I wanted to go out it's that um you know there was other people in the trumpet section that were doing it and I felt like I needed to try and keep up with them. Oh, well, this mm-hmm. is what the good players do. So if they're doing that, I better do that too. Right. And I don't, I don't know if I necessarily wanted to do it or not. And then mm-hmm. once you get into practicing the piece, um, you know, like kind of like exposed all of my problems. And I was like, whoa, I need to get better. Uh, mm-hmm. But <laughs> I apparently didn't have enough time to get better before the audition. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and you know, it's- Go
1: ahead Morgan. Oh no I was just gonna say that's still I think that like when I'm teaching now I'm teaching my students like those pieces it helps to have this like marker you're shooting for but there is this sense when you're that age that that making those festivals is this really big determining factor in your abilities Mm -hmm. Um, and where I grew up you know in Pennsylvania was really rural and we didn't have anything else to gauge it by there weren't youth orchestras and that kind of stuff so it was like oh if you didn't make districts then you probably weren't really that good um so there's like a lot of um connotations to the whole process i think especially Mm -hmm. for you know when when you're really in the thick of it as a student Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah and it's tough all that stuff where they score you numerically um you know what's a what's a quarter or a half a point what is that Mm -hmm. so
0: right yeah yeah and 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 on any given day those numbers can be like completely right
2: Mm yeah Right. Yeah, I always thought it would be interesting to to do like a total audition replay, have the judges hear the same exact players in the same exact yeah. order, give the same exact performance and see if they scored it the
0: same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell my students, sometimes I want to go into these district auditions and, and audition myself and see if I would make it. Yes. Yeah. I I yes.
1: <laughs> well yeah because you can't tell like how are they picking the scores but as a student mm. i i had all kinds of really bizarre experiences with those auditions like with the way the scores came out at the end and um i think about it every time i judge something like i think back to those times in high school and like what what was happening when people were giving me scores and then like what perspective am i taking now on students that i hear play when i have to be a judge it, it's really interesting.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so um in school um well actually did you take private lessons then
2: um uh yeah yeah i did um i took lessons from john hess who uh who i still see do you know him
0: you know john Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, well um, morgan knows him better i just know him from like local uh 294 you know yeah he was one of the first
1: people i met when i moved here so
2: yeah he's so nice he's great Mm -hmm. um and he runs the uh our chapter our local union chapter and he does like so much work for everyone for that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I ta- I took lessons from him at uh at the original Darnell's store on uh, Orange Street for a little while. Okay. And then they moved out to uh Columbia Avenue.
0: Okay. Yeah, so
2: I took from him all through high
0: school. Okay. All right. Great. Um so When did you decide that you were going to make music your career?
2: Well, um, I guess there's two ways to answer it. One is I I don't, I have this memory of being a little kid um, thinking I'm just going to play music and, um, and I'm going to like, hopefully people will pay me for that. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you hear people like, Older people talk about their jobs, or though the other kid down the street's going to college because he wants to do such and such. So you start wondering, "Well, what am I going to do?" And I just thought, "I'm, I'm just going to play music," um, and hopefully that'll that'll work out. But in my head, that that's something I was always going to be doing. But oh. in a more practical answer, would be when I was in um, when I was late in high school, I couldn't decide if I wanted to. Um, to be a music teacher or an English teacher. I knew it was between those two. And at that time, I wasn't really thinking just, I knew I was going to always play, but I wasn't thinking of, of playing music as, as a way to make a living. Because I didn't, really, I didn't really know many people that were doing that. Everyone that I knew who was involved in music was a teacher. So I'm thinking, oh, this is what you do. If you wanna stay in music and earn a living, you'd be a teacher. So um, I couldn't decide if I wanted to do that or English. So uh, I, I was talking to my band director about this, and he said that I didn't understand what he was talking about at the time because I had never been to college. But um, he said the way they lay the coursework out, if you start in English and change your mind, uh, you'll be you'll be like a year or two behind because you won't be able to get all the courses you need in time to graduate. So he said it would probably work out better if you started in music. And then if you change your mind, switch to English, you still have a good chance of graduating on time. So mm-hmm. that is the sole reason, the only reason that I picked music over English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it was more because practical. I was like, I was just torn. So I'm like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to go to college any longer than I have to. So let's try music first and see how that goes. Sure. Yeah. Real thoughtful. <laughs>
0: well but practical it is and then but then once you started like did you ever second guess your decision
2: oh yeah like every (laughs) day oh
0: really (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) because you know every everyone's like oh college is so fun i had such a great time and for me honestly college really sucked until about the last year because um well first of all i had like i hadn't i didn't know what being a music major would be like you know Um, so they said, well, you should be a half-decent piano player, and I hadn't touched a piano at all, ever, so um, John Hess's wife, uh, she's a piano teacher, so I started taking lessons, piano lessons from her about, like, over the summer before my freshman year, and, you know, what can you really do in three months, so I came in there, expected to have some competence at piano and then build it from there. But I was an absolute 100% beginner. Mm-hmm. And then um, a lot of the kids, they came into uh, to their freshman year already having some theory skills, you know, an understanding of theory. And I had none of that whatsoever. And uh, then the, the big killer was ear training, you know, mm-hmm. all the solfege and all that stuff. Some A lot of those kids mm-hmm. had at least some kind of background mm-hmm. in that.
1: Yeah, or maybe
2: their piano playing or whatever helped with that. I was just all I could do. I was like, like an okay trumpet player, you know. That's it. I had none of that other background stuff because at McCaskey they did, they did not offer that at the time. So, man, with and then all those courses. My family's so tired of hearing me tell this story, <laughs> but like <laughs> I know, Dad, again. I know, Dad, you had so much <laughs> college, just so hard. I'm like, but it was because you know the normal. Non music major takes a course and you get three credits, right? But at the time, when the way Millersville was doing it, um, they wanted you to take so much stuff that they only gave one credit per course. And mm-hmm. they're the really big time courses like yep. the ear training course was one credit, uh, theory was one credit. And then you have a history course across campus. That you don't care at all about three credits, mm, you know? Yeah. So like, what am I going to do? Am I going to put my time and energy right. into the one credit, which will help me in my life, but yeah. might blow my GPA up? Or mm-hmm. do I hate the history course and flunk out of the music part? So, you know, mm-hmm. it, to me, college was just, uh, it was like the first three and a half years, I felt like I was just kind of digging myself out of a hole and trying to get like on the level with, with everybody else. It was It was difficult. yeah yeah Yeah, so and yeah I I wouldn't repeat that (laughs) I wouldn't repeat that experience no yeah (laughs) the last part was great but you know Mm -hmm. I'm like hey where's all this fun everyone's talking about you know (laughs) I'm like I'm stressed I'm stressed out and uh you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. it was rough Yeah, you just feel like you're yeah. scrambling all the time. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. But no. just that you're right, like the course load of being a music major, because it's like that everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's still like that at Millersville where it's, you know, mm-hmm. they, you have to balance out the number of courses you need to take. And that mm-hmm. was, I think, true when I was in school. Um, yeah, just feels like a lot mm-hmm. to manage. But I, you know, you talk about ear training. I would not have survived ear training. I took voice lessons in high school, which was great. And I was in choir mm-hmm. and I loved to sing at the time couldn't pay me to sing in front of people now but at the time I loved it (laughs) and that my voice teacher once he knew I was going to school for music started doing ear training in my lessons with me so awesome without that I think I would have been totally panicked in ear training class I mean just absolutely freaked out but that little bit of primer that's what I was yeah help me get my feet (laughs) on the ground (laughs) yeah
2: yeah I felt like oh sorry go ahead
0: well, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I I mean, I was that freaked out person because, yeah, I mean, I didn't have anything like that. I had, I had piano background, so, and I was mm-hmm. so grateful for that because that actually helped then with the ear training, but I had none of that ear training and I do not have a great voice and I, it just, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like with that ear training stuff, I kind of, I felt like it, I had sort of an aptitude for it, but it was all just so new. I didn't have any yeah. way to frame what I was hearing or anything. Yeah. And um, right. yeah, I feel like had I started earlier, you know, mm-hmm. it, it things would have went pretty well, but I was yeah. just in scramble mode, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and I guess it impacted me in my teaching job because, well, first of all, I think the whole ear training thing is, to me, it's the single most important tool that we have as musicians. Um, and, and I wanted my, the kids in my elementary music class to, you know, to do some of that stuff. And, you know, I hear other teachers they are doing those types of things. So I, I really went heavy on that in my, uh, in my teaching career early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I look at this, like this, the stuff that my elementary kids were doing, I couldn't do at the end of my first semester. And as a freshman, cause I just wow. was still trying to figure it out, you know,
0: but yeah, but how great yeah. for you to do that, though, Yeah, to I, I, expose them to that.
2: Yeah, I, I was happy with, with doing it that way. And uh, um, I mean, it really it helped with a lot of different things for them, you know, singing and instrument playing and stuff. And
1: mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I had to dial that back quite a bit because as time went on, um, it's off the subject, but like mm-hmm. for the first half of my teaching career, when the kids would come into me, they were they were like they were ready to do something, you know, they were ready to to, to do something uh, mentally intense. And then as time went on, as, as school hyped up uh, around them and their other classes, when they came into my room, they were kind of done, they were fried. So I don't think they were, they didn't have any, uh, any mental space left for me to be like, dumping mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff on them. So, so I kind of veered away from it. And we did a, Uh, Not that we didn't play instruments before, but it was definitely, it went from like ear training and theory heavy with instrument playing, and then it kind of gravitated to almost all playing and singing all the time. And I didn't do much of the ear training because they just, they they just needed to relax and, and, you know, enjoy themselves for half an hour before they went back to the, uh, to the intensity of the regular classroom. that, That was just something that changed over the 20, 25 years I was teaching.
0: Yeah. Well, and also how great is that too? I mean, to like shift your focus when you realize that the students are not able to handle what you typically do and then you, you change and you like, kind of like meet them where they are kind of. Right.
2: Yeah. And it's not that that the kids got dumber or anything. They were just spent from the higher intensity of the day.
0: Overloaded.
2: Over. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I see it in my private students now, too. I mean, that mm-hmm. teaching them is different than it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. um because their stress and expectations during the day are just so much more. Um, mm-hmm. and it you not that I'm teaching them necessarily different things, but I'm teaching them in a different way. Um, yeah. Yeah. and prioritizing differently, impressing on different things, you know, at different times.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yep. yeah, so um so then you graduated from millersville and that's where eventually
2: you- yeah yeah i did um talking about that i second guess it um i <laughs> i walked into the registrar's office to switch my major um at least a dozen times i stopped counting after a dozen and i went in there and i'm like well i'll just give it one more week and i walked out but i did that i did that like routinely so Uh uh, yeah eventually I did graduate it was four and a half years (laughs) I did I took I took a um I went part-time one semester because I just like needed to chill out yeah
0: well yeah and it's you know honestly I mean there's there's nothing wrong with that I mean Mm -hmm. you have to take the time that you need you know and like I mean, I'm telling my own children this. It's like you know, you're on your own timeline. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's nothing that says that you need to you know get your degree in four years. There's nothing, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. every everybody's uh, different, and you know, you have to go with what works for you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And and I was in school for five years. I mean, mm-hmm. in in college too. So. But I think
1: it's interesting, too, that you like stuck it out all that time Then you know, that it was so hard, but you still came back and finished what you were doing and you didn't change direction. Because I know when I was in school, Mm -hmm. we lost lots of people in that second year of like really Mm -hmm. intense theory and ear training and people just went, nope, not interested, don't want to do it.
2: Yeah, I think part of the part of the motivation for me to keep going was to be around other people like that. And have them I mean, and see that, that they now they had to start from scratch,
1: okay. you
2: know, and I was like, I don't want to I don't want to spend those years doing stuff over again. So, mm-hmm. you know, not that I I didn't want to go through life doing a job that I hated just because I trained for it. But I I guess uh, not wanting to start over again made me stick it out just one more day or one more week to see what would happen if it's really that bad, I can. I can drop out next week, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I always felt bad for the people who uh, they go all through school and then two weeks into student teaching, they're like, I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. you know? And then they start over. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's good to, It's in a way it's good to find that out when you're student teaching, yeah. but it's also a bummer to find out when you're student teaching, mm-hmm. you know, too bad. Too bad they didn't figure it out, like, as a freshman, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I guess I was I was trying to avoid doing that, because I didn't want to, like I was saying, college wasn't very enjoyable for me, so I didn't want to do it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, yeah, 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 so, but that's, like, a, a life, sorry, that's, like, a life thing of just, you know, when things are hard, like, it's not always bad that they're hard, you just have to figure mm-hmm. out how do I get to the next thing, Yeah, you know, if you think about how we build like good habits in life around like anything that's not enjoyable exercise or practice or whatever it is. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I can do one more day or I can do five more minutes or, um, you know, and, and it doesn't mean anything other than it's difficult and you're continue you're choosing to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Perseverance. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No. Um, so after you graduated then did you immediately start teaching?
2: Um, yes i had to think about that um that's okay because well because i'm old and it was a long time ago but (laughs) (laughs) i graduated in (laughs) december um and yeah i had interviewed for for this job at henfield um it was a long-term substitute position in in band and I, i didn't get it and in the interview they didn't say anything about also needing a string substitute so um couple of days later, uh, after the interview, they they call and they say, well, we can't offer you the band job, but uh, do you know how to teach strings? And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. When in reality, I had like three string courses. I didn't know how to teach strings really at all. And Henfield uh, at that time uh, was was a really good, strong string district. Mm-hmm. And maybe they still are. I don't know. Um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. So they gave me that job, and uh, I remember hanging up the phone, going, "Well, you screwed yourself. You know, you'll screw this string job up because you don't know what you're doing, and then nobody will want to hire you again." So, <laughs> but you know, I mean, what do you do? You know, you
1: Well, yeah. went for the offer, offer but uh,
2: yeah, I can't do yeah. that. No. <laughs> so, um, so that was in Henfield. and and that went through from January to the end of the year. And then it continued because the lady I was in for was having uh, some, some medical issues. And so it continued the entire next year until April. So it was like nearly a year and a half. And uh, I really got, I was really into the string thing. I got a lot of help from some great people and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like I did a decent job. And just as I was really starting to feel like, you know, like I knew what I was doing and, and feeling comfortable, then it was over. So um, I was kind of, then I went, I was subbing the rest of that year from April to the end of the year. And then the entire next year, I was day to day subbing. That was really a bummer, you know, to go from from that job to, uh, you know, hoping the phone rings every day and doing yeah. all sorts of different stuff. That, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a bummer of a year. And then the following year, I started at Warwick part-time I did that for two years. And then after that, they made me full-time and I stayed there until I quit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I only got that Warwick job. Uh, the, the original Warwick job that I had was, um, half band, elementary band and half elementary strings. So Mm -hmm. that time at Hemfield, um, you know, really, I guess, qualified me for that Warwick job. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I would I would I would have needed to lie to Warwick and tell them I knew what I was doing with. The
1: <laughs> well,
0: and I think too, like you know, when you any new teacher, um, especially with music because it is so varied and there are so many different kinds of jobs, mm. you know, whether it's because we're certified K through twelve, and so you know and you can only get so much experience in your college experience and student teaching you're not going to cover it all and I think you know you (laughs) for a lot of new teachers it's you're kind of learning as you go Mm -hmm. no matter what you
1: know
2: Yeah. yeah yeah you can only learn so much at college
1: yeah yeah well even when I mean like yeah, if I, I went to school for six instrument or six years for performance and, you know, like on my instrument. And then when I started gigging after that, it was like, well, I don't know how to do it. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You still feel that way. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm yeah. sitting in an orchestra going like, I don't belong here. Um, <laughs> it's just, I think being new, being young, being new, um, it always has a little bit of that, even if it's something you've trained for. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So,
1: um,
0: so you then, taught than it well you taught for 25 years correct
2: yeah well that's the um the service years are 25 like if i count Mm -hmm. years of my life it's more like 27 28 Mm -hmm. but some of that substitute stuff doesn't count the same way so the number in my head is 25 um because that's the number i needed to get to in order to retire or quit (laughs) so but you know if i count birthdays there's 27 28 of them Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so so then, what was how long had you been thinking that you were going to leave before you actually did? It
2: was probably five years the last five years I knew i I definitely wanted to leave as soon as possible The last three years I knew that I had a, a finite amount of time in, in which I needed to get out before I was going to explode somehow um, but prior to that, like, I guess I never intended to really teach the whole 35 years or whatever they determine is is a, is a full career. Um, I, I told my wife about 10 years in that uh, I said, I think probably do 15, 17 years of this and then I'll try something else.
1: Uh-huh. And
2: uh, but then I, you know, it didn't work out that way. Uh-huh. A steady paycheck is pretty nice when you have kids. So I kept <laughs> going and, uh, wow. you know and just yeah it
0: yeah so you kind of always knew that you know well you know it's
2: yeah at some point i I didn't know it was going to become that urgent for me to have to get out but Mm -hmm. uh i did i did expect not to do it my entire life so what do
0: you what do you think that well what was it like that prompted you to like you that you just had to get out was it like the change in like the the students the students
2: there there were so many things Uh, i'll try i i tend to get long more long-winded than usual in this so i'll try to try (laughs) to keep it brief um well the first thing was uh was just burnout because i had been going so crazy the early part of my career you know, I had all these expectations of myself and things I wanted to do and things I thought would be, I wanted to have this like, awesome music program at the school. And, um, and it took like, it just took a lot of time and energy. And then plus, my kids were also small, plus I'm doing gigs and stuff outside of school. So um, I don't remember, I don't, for some reason, I remember driving down my street to a gig and thinking like, you can't sustain this much longer. You know, you just can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet I kept going. And, uh, and then I went through like a serious uh, burnout, depression. Uh, The only, there was a point at which I told my wife, I cannot go back to school next year. Um, I just don't think I can do it. I'm done. And, you know, she was a stay at home mom. So we were like figuring how we're going to make that work. And then, Luckily, that summer, the school district changed schedules and that made a huge difference for me. So I'm like, well, with this new schedule, I'll give it a try. And the new schedule was great. The old schedule was part of the part of the problem with the burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a contractual thing where um, it had to do with the amount of prep time that special area teachers were going to be guaranteed during the instructional day. And um, and it didn't work out like it, we didn't, not everyone stuck together. So what ended up happening was um, the classroom teachers got one set of rules and the special area teachers uh, were not guaranteed anything, but there was a memorandum of understanding, they called it, in which the administration said they were going to try to provide the same thing. That the other teachers had. Well, you know how that goes. They're not guaranteed to to, to do it. There's no teeth in it. So, Mm -hmm. um, so we were doing like a 20, 25 minute lunch with no prep uh, during the day, every day. And then uh, the argument against that was, well, you know, you still have your prep time after school, like a regular teacher does not true though because after school i was running musical rehearsal or ensemble an extra choir all this other stuff that i felt was good to do so i had like no time so so that's part of what what burnt me out and some of that's my own fault because um i mean actually most of it's my fault because when you're i learned that there's no often no sense in exceeding an expectation um if if the people above you are not on board with that you know mm-hmm. they don't care they didn't care that i was doing it. i mean they 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 liked the performances they liked the mm-hmm. whole program but they weren't invested in all of the things that i did they wanted me right. to teach decent um general music lessons in my little 30 minute slots and after that my job was done but i had all these other aspirations that i thought of things that that we should you know, mm-hmm. be doing, and, and, you know, I mean, without, it's not that they were unsupported I learned that for all the, I was killing myself over something that didn't really mean anything to anybody except for me. And you could argue to the kids and, you know, parents, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not worth it. So that was one thing that led to it. Um, the other, the other is changing the changing culture of the school. Um, I felt like by the end of my career, I felt like there was almost no difference between regular ed and special ed. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure people disagree with me on that. But there was so much there was the special ed element of education grew so much. And that's not something that I trained for, prepared for or even wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then I was I was faced with it every day. Um, the school culture was that one that it, it was all about the individual, and that really that's something that bothers me deeply about our culture in general. Mm. The individual outweighs the um, you know the, the group, and like that. Yeah. and that was that was happening. Uh, that was very obvious at school. You know, you have these kids flipping out, doing all kinds of crazy behavioral stuff, and um, the thinking is that it's their right to remain in that classroom at the expense of the education and experience of everybody else. And I just could never get with that. Um, did it affect me profoundly every day? No, but it did enough that it made the whole teaching experience worse. worse. And for me, um, just my personality type, I have to believe in what we're mm-hmm. doing. I don't, It's okay if it's not going well, but I have to believe uh, that the way we're approaching things is right. And I just grew over the years to um, to think that we were doing it completely wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and in that way, um, I remember this guy Rich Will, and he used to teach at Millersville. And he, in one of our education classes, he wasn't a music guy; he was like the regular education guy. And um, he was telling us about this at the time. I think it was a new law, and um, it was the law w- where it said about uh, students must remain they must exist in their least restrictive environment and he said this is going to be huge and we're like yeah okay whatever you know but like years later I keep going back to that and he was right it was totally huge because when you say you're you're, that a student has to be educated in his least restrictive environment what that's how that's interpreted in school plays out to be that that kid can stay he can, that he can stay where he is and disrupt everything else that everyone else is doing. And mm. no one's really, uh, it's harder to change that than it is to leave it be. So mm. I just thought that was, I think it's, yeah, it's a shame.
1: So, yeah.
2: and I, I couldn't work in that environment. The screaming every day, screaming and throwing desks and stuff like that. And then the, the kid, I mean, there's, there's no change. Mm-hmm. You know, misbehaving kids would go to the office and they basically get uh, a little pep talk and sent back to the teacher to do the same stuff. The teacher has no tools, you know, except to send them to the higher ups and they don't do anything. So, uh, right. yeah, it just I, I did the entire environment just became uh, something I couldn't deal with. Yeah. And plus, you know, on a more practical like um, I was I was. Nothing against elementary kids, but I had been working with the elementary kids since I was 18 years old, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you know, okay, what, <laughs> you know, hit my limit. I mean, nothing against the kids, but you know, sure. but it, it was just time to to do something else.
0: Yeah. So, well, it definitely oh, takes a special a different or a special personality to, you know, work with children of that age mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Well, I apologize when my failed attempt to keep that brief. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's I'm okay. over for all my
2: attempts. Yeah, that's okay.
0: No, I'm I'm so interested in that yeah. actually, uh, because um, yeah, I mean, I've gone back and forth with you know, do I want to be in public school? You know, and because I have a, an education degree that I have never like formally used, um, I've subbed and I've interviewed for jobs, and mm. um, it has just never worked out and and i don't know that it's for me and i think i would be a lot like you where it like i would just get to the point of you know of burnout i think uh quicker than what you did
2: (laughs) you know people say like friends will say well how i know when it's time to go and everyone says you'll know well it's true there's just Mm -hmm. every every inch of your body says I had to get out of here what am i doing here this is wrong for me and there's no question about it so that that's just eventually you know bubbled Mm -hmm. up Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's interesting what you articulated about like knowing your personality type and just having to be really on board with the thing you're doing um Mm -hmm. because i started school i never finished my ed degree i started with a double in ed and performance and I got into my sophomore year, and I was like, nope, And it was instant. It was just like, I do not want to do this. I can't I can't keep taking like taking methods classes and spending mm. so much time on something I knew I didn't want to use. and it just yeah. felt like the wrong. So I never got to a point where I like experienced teaching and and all of the extra things that come with being in a public school, but you still have that sense, you know, that this this is right mm. or wrong for me. Yeah. Um, and and I just knew if I kept doing it, I was gonna burn out on everything because you're spending so much energy somewhere that that doesn't fit for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so and so it was around this time, and I
0: I find this interesting too that at the time at that time, then your kids were older, and then your wife had decided that she wanted to go back to school, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Or to go to school, and then and she wanted to become Uh, a teacher, an elementary teacher.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, So So you kind of flip-flopped in a way. Yeah,
2: yeah, we flip-flopped. So we'd be sitting around the dinner table and, you know, you tell stories about your day and I say stuff that happened at school. And this is when I was totally loving school, you know, and still Mm -hmm. it's kids and you got 600 kids in a building. weird stuff's going to happen sometimes. So (laughs) I tell the stories and, and she's like, oh my goodness, I would never do that job. I would never be a teacher. And then over the next four or five years, you can see her kind of getting interested in in like helping out at the kids in their classroom and stuff like that. And,
1: mm. and then
2: she's like, you know i I think I'll I think I'll go to school and be an elementary teacher. And uh, yeah, she loves it.
0: I she think that that life. is so cool to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and yeah. she's in the, she's
0: in an effort of school district, right? Yeah, she's an effort
2: of, she teaches. That's where I am.
0: My okay. Yeah. Now my kids they go to Fulton but well, she okay
2: she's for. at Highland
0: right yeah so yeah. um
2: but it worked out really good because uh as I was kind of like coming down and down and down, she's going to, and and so had if she had she not um gotten like the teaching job and, and have been into it it would have been I mean I still I still would have quit but I would have my life would look a lot different. You know, I wouldn't be able to to just try and do music and writing and stuff like that. I'd have to get like a, I'd have to get a job that actually, you know, pays every week.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's an absolute partnership, you know. Um, Certainly, I would not be able to do what I'm doing if my, you know, husband didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, the job that he has. So,
1: you know, that's (laughs) sort of reinventing yourself in different, different stages of life. And I think, I'm always impressed when people do that, when you don't just keep doing what you're doing because you've always done it, you know? Mm -hmm. So you and your wife, both, it was like, I'm ready to do something different. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of interesting things to try in life, you know, Mm -hmm. you're only going to get to so many, so
1: might
0: as well,
2: might as well try as many as you can.
0: Yeah. But, and, and for both of you, you're both following, you know, what you, each of you wanted to do. And mm-hmm. able to both, you know, follow your interests. And it just, it just worked out. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm
0: lucky. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's great. That's so great. Um, so once you um, had retired and you were getting, well, I guess through all of this, you had been gigging yeah uh, I imagine right so yeah. um so then how did you then kind of like reimagine what your career was going to be well
2: I kind of I just wanted to kind of expand what I had so um earlier in my career um I was mostly playing theater shows and and you know I had a brass quintet and like did a little jazz here and there but most of my time was taken up playing, um, at uh, playing theaters. And I liked it, but, um, you know, it was, it, it was easy, you know, someone calls you and then you put the dates in your calendar and then you go play and that's it. Um, so I wasn't really, I had, well, let me back up a minute. I had, I really, like Wynton Marsalis, and one of the things that that attracted me to him, besides his spectacular playing, is that he's he does everything. You know, people know him as the jazz guy, but he's he's an excellent classical player. And um, you know, when he was younger, he did all kinds of other music, and um, I really like that because I'm interested in all kinds of different music. And part of the fun for me is to try to play it. So I wanted to be able to play a whole bunch of different styles with the different groups and all that, so, um, but I wasn't really doing anything about that, because I was mostly playing theater stuff, and that took up most of my time, so um, at one point, I got fired from the, uh, it was the Fulton, I was playing at the Fulton, and uh, I didn't, I had, I essentially had a lip injury, which I didn't know that this was a thing, you know, I mean, you know, you pull a hamstring, you pull over, okay, fine, but I didn't, never for some reason even though i was like a full-grown adult and playing trumpet for a long time never occurred to me that you could actually you know have Injured. a facial yeah. yeah so due to overuse that's what happened and um i didn't play so well so <laughs> so uh, so they canned me and i was like oh man at first i was bummed because i'm like now i'm what am yeah. I, you know, gonna do it was but, a regular gig. <laughs> yeah, that was honestly the best thing that happened to me because then it forced me to get to work on all of the things that I said I wanted to do, but never did. So um, so I started a whole bunch of, of different groups and I started working on uh networking better to get connected with other bands mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um so I have like I started to do more jazz stuff, which I always wanted to. So I have uh, I have like a Dixieland or a traditional jazz band my jazz quartet at the time I had a brass quintet um all sorts of small ensembles and I just wanted to to play as much as I could with each of those groups and also be a um a a freelancer that people could call and, and depend on and so I started that that was that was a long time ago I think I, went, I think the Fulton came to me in like, want to say early 2000s okay um and so i was already kind of doing that while i was teaching um but when i quit teaching i just wanted i just wanted to you know, you only have X amount of energy when you're with uh-huh. kids all day and you want to like, yeah, I want to play, but eh, I should do this or that to help me play more. But I um, think I'm going to go to bed because I have to deal with kindergartners at eight o'clock tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah. now that that was going away, then, you know, I was just hoping to expand on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Diversifying that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's smart. Um And and fun too, I imagine, because you get to play yeah. lots of different styles. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love it. I mean, that's what I always wanted to do. So, but like I said, uh, yeah, the getting getting fired from Fulton was the, it was actually the was the best thing that happened to my playing career.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. what do you what do you enjoy the most about freelancing?
2: Uh, I just like that every day is different, or like a like a I like when you get those weekends where you have like. Um, a little classical thing a jazz gig like a funk rock casino gig um, I, I do uh, I play cajon and sing I say sing but I, it, I'm just kind of I'm getting more into singing um, so I like being able to do um, different types of music and use different instruments and also the, the different people that I'm with on those different gigs It's I just really enjoy the variety mm-hmm. it keeps it I don't know, it keeps everything fresh. And mm-hmm. I feel like learning something about one genre helps in another in ways that I don't always expect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and so not only also do you, um, well, you you returned to writing as well. Like you were so, had been so interested in, in English and had considered that as a career too. and And now that's also, part of what you do for your career now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I started to, uh, I, I started a, a blog. Um, you know, it was, it was near the end of teaching when like, I was just not feeling good overall, um, and really needed to get out. Uh, I, I kind of just started writing again on a whim, just, uh, I guess I was telling myself stories or trying to get my thoughts together. And then, um, I guess I rediscovered how much I really enjoyed doing that. And I hadn't done it in 20 years or so. So, uh, yeah. So I started this little blog by uh-huh. the blog shadow. And then uh, I hooked up with these, uh, a group called wise and shine magazine. And it's basically a shared blog. Um, um, but the writers are really good. And um, about half of them are from the US and the other half are from various parts in the world. And it's just interesting to hear what everyone's perspective is on things. And it's nice yeah. to be able to chime in with your own. Mm-hmm. yeah, I enjoy doing that. Um, it takes a decent amount of time, um, mm-hmm. but but I enjoy it,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. and on your on your website as well, i um I saw that you had like a section on wellness as well. and and so you you do run a little bit, and you mentioned mm-hmm. like being a vegetarian for a while that you were and And I'm just wondering, like how your your wellness regime like affects like your performance and like and how um was there anything that like started you on that path? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I asked you like just five questions in that one sentence, but
2: <laughs> no, 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 I laughed because uh because all my my stories, they seem to to be the same in that there's this point where everything is screwed up. <laughs> and then i have to do that and he, this is one of those stories so i find I'm that relatable sure. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like eh, this is broken but we can keep going no we don't have to do anything until it's an absolute freaking disaster <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: things get real bad yeah
2: <laughs> so i i don't remember what my problem was exactly it was probably part stress um and And yeah, my diet was just a mess and uh, I was not feeling good. So this was, would have been maybe 2014 or so. remember my, my, my oldest daughter was in uh, like her junior year. And so I had been vegetarian for probably 20, 20 some years at that point. But I guess over time um, I just started eating stupidly and uh, got all out of whack and, Mm -hmm. I was feeling miserable and like, I thought whatever I'm doing now is not working at all. So I'm just going to scrap it all and do everything the opposite. It's like the, there's a Seinfeld episode with George where he does everything the opposite. And uh, (laughs) that's what I was kind of, that's what my diet was modeled after. Okay. I'm vegetarian. We're not doing that anymore. Um, And That was the big, and and plus exercising, um, I was inconsistent, so I just kind of trashed everything, um, and it it worked, so I I felt better. (laughs) (laughs) I just did everything opposite of what I was doing, and um, it was good. And then since that time, of course, I've been up and down, you know, sometimes in good shape and running, sticking to my running routine and all that, and then like, you know, you get real busy and get out of sorts, and then uh, but but I always pay the price for that uh, because I just feel worse, you know. I feel like, and then when you get tired, gig to gig, like I don't like when I'm on a gig, wishing it would be over soon, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, but there's been a bunch of times, especially this last year. I mean, this was my busiest year this last year, and and. Part of the consequence to that is I didn't take care of myself the way I should, so that I'm not feeling as good. And then you're just running yourself down farther and further until eventually, you know, you hit a, a bottoming out point. Uh, so, yeah, I, I need to be I need to. I need to make more of an effort to make sure that I take care of myself um, mm-hmm. so that I don't get into these situations Anymore, I seem to be on like a a, a couple years cycle. You know, you get yeah. to you're like, oh, I'm never going back there ever again. That's all over yeah. in the past. And all of a sudden, you get sloppy, diet get gets comfortable, sloppy. get comfortable. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then uh and then it kind
0: of kind of that all or nothing mentality. Mm-hmm. I think, um which I often <laughs> have had in the past myself where yeah you just throw yourself into something but then there's a point where yeah just you you start just changing one little thing mm-hmm. and then
2: yeah it can spiral <laughs> yeah it's like pulling the the string on the sweater it just uh, slowly unravels mm-hmm. and you, you don't know yeah but uh doing yoga and running is very important to me and i just had to make sure i keep doing it and uh i also have to i mean. My wife is on me all the time to go to bed earlier, which I know would be good. So what happens is, well, you know, you come home from a gig, you know, sometimes the gigs are late and you feel awake. So you you're kind of wired.
0: Sleep. Yeah. So yeah. the
2: sleep schedule's off. She was like, why don't you go to bed? So yeah. I stay up and then, uh, you know, especially when I haven't eaten properly yeah. or consistently through the day, <laughs> I'm wide awake and hungry at two o'clock and we have a bag of chocolate chips seems like a Looks good thing good. to do right yeah. yeah yeah so you know you do that for a couple of months and all of a sudden you're like <laughs> how did i gain 20 pounds uh-huh. you know, why don't i feel so good well you know yeah it, it, it all adds up if you look for it mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah i had to i had to uh fight against stuff like that i have a good plan but whether or not i stick to it is always the thing
1: well yeah it's hard for all of us though to like do the thing we know we need to do mm-hmm. like it's just hard to You know, when you're tired or you've been at a gig all night or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, it's like, man, that just sounds like so much work to do the thing I need to right now. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that 20 to 30 minutes that that exercise is going to take seems like this big project. Mm -hmm. Too much. Can't do it. No.
0: Yeah. But I can. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And I saw that you have a thing for chocolate. So, I mean. I do have a thing for chocolate.
2: (laughs) It worries
0: me a little bit. <laughs> it really does. Uh, you know, like... And you live like, in Linnet, so you, you've you got that yeah. Wilbur chocolate factor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the kids, when the kids lived at home, we would occasionally get, like, junk cereal. Like, I have a thing for chocolate and, like, certain icings and stuff. Yeah. So once in a while, we'd get a junk cereal and, like, uh, Frosted Flakes and... <laughs> And they would get two boxes. And on the one, they, with the Sharpie, they would write, Not for you, dad. So they knew <laughs> that they had one box for themselves. Because once I got started on the one box, I mean, that was it. If, yeah. I, was up that, if I was up too late doing this stupid stuff I mentioned earlier, I mean, yeah. a night or two, that box was gone. Oh,
0: yeah. So, it's hard to stop once yeah. you get started. I, yeah. <laughs> I know I that's by
2: design because they pump it with chemicals and all that stuff. But just <laughs> why I shouldn't eat that stuff to begin with. But, you know. Yeah sometimes you can't help it
1: (laughs) I think probably a lot of careers are like this but I feel like this is such a thing for like we have odd schedules and we like work Mm -hmm. at odd times and then you eat at odd times and like I sustained myself completely on popcorn for like four years through grad school (laughs) and out the other (laughs) side and it's still like my favorite snack in the entire world but there reached a point where I was like I have to stop doing this like popcorn is not dinner Popcorn is not dinner and a snack, (laughs) you know. So, I feel like we all get into these little like cycles of just like, yeah, this is what I can manage right now. Oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah, for sure.
2: My wife is really good with that stuff. Like, you can it can be in the house, she can know where it is, sit in front of her, show off like two bites, and then she's oh, but I'm like, we can't have it, yeah, Yeah. just because you have a problem, I can't have ice cream or chocolate. I'm like, "Uh, yeah
0: <laughs> just start lock- get a separate refrigerator
1: and yes, lock it
2: with a padlock yeah,
0: yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> there's those oh, boxes now you can put your phone in and to put a timer on them you can do that with your fridge oh, yeah. you know you can put ah. one of those like only opens for like two hours or whatever it is
2: <laughs> that could that yeah you could be on to something <laughs> yeah
1: i would be very angry like all
0: the time i think yeah. <laughs> if i did that so, um, but I also wanted to talk to you too about um, all the recordings that you have done. Um, you have recorded quite a few CDs. Uh, how many have you? Done? I think it might be two dozen,
2: something like that, somewhere okay. between 20 and 30. But okay. I mean, they're not like full CDs. It's me playing a track or two on someone else's record. And yeah, it's right. It's all local stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I've done, that is that's me is uh, the cats pajamas old school jazz band which is a traditional or Dixie land band um, mm-hmm. we did that uh, I think it was 2018 mm-hmm. and then um, um I've been, we have this my jazz group is playing at Telus every other Thursday and they call it jazz on King so we uh we recorded some of that stuff last summer um, the three of us did but that is okay that's still, uh, that's not out yet. We're <laughs> mm-hmm. just trying to figure out the best way to, the best route to go with that and have some other post-production stuff to do with it. But mm-hmm. I think that'll be, that should be a fun one when it comes out, but everything else is just, you know, some, someone needed a, a trumpet on a couple tracks. So, mm-hmm. so I got to do Right. Right. Yeah. It's been yeah. fun though. There's a, there's a lot of great places like to do uh, recording projects in Lancaster,
1: mm-hmm. you
2: know, for a small, for the size of the area. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really high quality stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. There's in fact, we, studios. and we just recorded an episode with Faith Schiffer, who yeah. was on the, what, the Cat's Pajamas. Yeah, right?
2: Yeah. She's a, like, she's a Cat's Pajamas clarinet player.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of that, but which is great. It's, it's great. Cool, thanks. Yeah, so good. So and then I also um one more thing. I wanted to ask you about your fulgenity family band. And oh. tell me what that's about. Well <laughs> that
2: um that's funny because it just kind of started as something fun to do. You know, like a little I think the kids were like, I think Allie was Allie's my youngest. I think she was in junior high at the time, and Bailey was uh, mid high school, mm-hmm. so um, you know we just mess around doing music and stuff. And we always knew that, that Bailey was real serious about music, and Allie uh, was also, you know, she was into it, but she was she was not going to do music as a career or anything. We we kind of I mentioned this band, Riders in the Sky, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of like that stuff. And we're like, well, what would happen if we just recorded it just to see what it sounded like, you know? And um, so we went to a uh, to a friend's house uh, to record it. And um, at the le- and it was like, yeah, you know, because um, there was sister tension, and there was uh, some just I'm in the recording studio. What am I doing here? Tension. And I was like, ah, it's just for fun. Don't worry about it. But that didn't really go over. So, <laughs> um, and so at the end of it uh bailey and her boyfriend tom who plays bass and some guitar um we did we did kind of just an off-the-cuff impromptu version of jingle bells and Mm. we had intended to try to record a christmas song and use it as a fundraiser for a a local for a charity and so out of that first session that's the thing that we kept everything else was kind of like I I, I use the football analogy that if I'm the coach, I was learning what my players' skill sets are in that session. And we don't really have much to to show for it, but it it made sense for later. So so we did uh, that Jingle Bells tune and we raised a few hundred dollars for uh, music for everyone. But we liked doing that. And so we've done it every year since then. And now we have five, five Christmas tunes. It's fun for me because... Um, I do the arrangements and, um, then I just run it by the kids and make sure that they're okay. You know, and they, they, they like it, but I think they're just like, yeah, just let dad do his thing, whatever we'll do. We'll do, but I'm, I'm glad they keep like appeasing me and and doing it. But, um, yeah. So, um, two of the, the last three years, we raised money for Dave Costarella, uh, and his project that he calls my people on the streets. So Dave is, um, he has DC and company like the, the uh, blues band. Um, mm-hmm. And so I knew him from that, but he, he uh, takes care of the people that live on the streets, usually over by the, across the street from Brunswick hotel, bids okay. park, um, there's anywhere, I think, from 15 to this year up to, like, I think he said, 35 or 40 people who, for whatever reason, don't get into shelters or won't go, and, um, and he brings them clothes and food. Sometimes he makes the food himself. Sometimes he gets a local, you know, person to, uh, a business to donate it, but he's doing this by himself, uh, mostly at his own expense, and, you know, and with the money that people give him. Um, if you go in his house, he's got, like, you know large coats here here's the medium pile here's wow. mens shirts it's like it's amazing yeah. and wow. yeah the guy's awesome he's like a, he's a saint so he does this all on his own and so uh this year and two years ago we uh the money that we raised from our family band christmas single went to him um, oh, other yeah other groups we've done are meals on wheels and um i think it was Uh, one of the environmental groups was trying to plant a million trees so we tried to help them last year but Mm -hmm. we that yeah so the family band is basically that's all we do plus Mm -hmm. uh some family weddings family and friend weddings and stuff like that but um it's definitely a project unto itself because Allie lives in Towson and she's a nurse so Mm -hmm. she's kind of like you know you know and man that nursing schedule rough mm-hmm. so you know yeah if we can get her up and get her involved that's good but it's yeah. not like a band that we actively book but we love doing stuff yeah and, yeah and, uh, but that's
1: so great especially with so, kids.
2: yeah it's fun and i'm lucky uh that uh bailey my other daughter is a singer so uh, several years ago, I decided I'm just going to try to get her on as many as my gigs as possible to get her going, you mm-hmm. know, get her on the scene, get, you know, people experience. to know her and get her experience in that. So we still do a, a lot of stuff together. Uh, she's really she's a great singer, really good jazz singer, too. So it's it's fun. Um, and it's easy for me because I don't play as much trumpet on those gigs. I'm mostly playing cajon and a little trumpet. So mm-hmm. it keeps my chops fresh.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> she does fun. all the
2: work yeah
0: so have you worked on ear training and theory with her
2: uh no
1: <laughs> no
0: um
2: I'm well she talks about it you know she went to to Muhlenberg for music and they had some ear training and stuff but uh yeah. what I had at school was a lot more intense mm-hmm. and um so we talk about that but yeah it's yeah. not happened. <laughs> you know I'm I'm taking voice lessons from her and i'm like hey i'll oh, trade voice lessons for ear training lessons but she's like oh yeah yeah we should do that it's kind of like <laughs> when you say, oh you know we should really get together and you're not uh-huh. i feel like that's the vibe i get from her when she says yeah. we're, we're not doing it
0: oh <laughs> so cute so do and <laughs> do you have any um upcoming projects that you're working on like any other recordings coming up um not officially. Well, I'm hoping to get the Jasmine King
2: thing out uh, in the spring or summer, and I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to just record another one of those. Um, so we'll probably do that over the summer.
1: Okay.
0: And
2: yeah, uh, but that's it. Everything else is just like something I'd like to do at mm-hmm. some point. But you know, yeah. yeah I wrote. I have uh, this New Orleans style brass band called Dutchy Funk. And um, I have a bunch of original stuff for them, but uh, you know we don't get together that much, so yeah. uh, we, we that 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 needs rehearsed, played through, revised, all that stuff. Um, and I have a I have a bunch. Believe it. Uh, last year, I wrote about twenty twenty five uh, like funk pop songs, um, mostly in January and February. And, uh, they only, they only need lyrics. I'm not a lyric guy. So, um, I would like to, at some point I would like to, I'd like to record them and see what they sound like with the real things in there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, immediate plans. No, not really. Yeah. Just maybe another jazz on King thing. Right.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, that's awesome, Todd. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For...
2: Thank you for having me. It was fun talking to you guys.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I love hearing other people's perspectives on things. And no, thank you so much. Um, anyway, it, yeah, it's just fascinating. So, yeah. um, and thank you to our listeners. Um, we're so glad that you're out there supporting us. Um, if you ever have the chance, please give us feedback. Uh, we love constructive criticism. Uh, we love to. <laughs> I think. Uh, uh, we love to hear from our listeners, especially if you have any questions or suggestions as to who you might enjoy an interview of, or if you would like to sponsor any of our episodes. We have lots of musicians and students of musicians listening in, so please contact us at lifebetweenthenotes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and video versions can be found on our Life Between the Notes YouTube channel. Follow us at all of these places and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, have a great day. And thank you, Morgan and Todd.
2: Thank you, guys. Great talking to you.